Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today we're tackling Captain America Civil War. And just a heads up, guys, it's 3am. We just watched the midnight screenings here in Australia. And spoilers, very, very spoilers warned. You have been warned. (laughs) Uh, Lloyd, we kick straight into this one, into 1991. That's a flashback sequence. And we get to see Bucky when he's under the influence of the mind control of the brainwashing of the Russian government and Hydra. Uh, what did you think of Bucky? Oh, well, personally, I per- loved Winter Soldier. That was that's probably one of my favorite Marvel movies of all time. And uh, he is such a threat, the villain of Bucky. He is such a tremendous um, threat. Um, and uh, I was so excited to see Civil War and see what they were going to do with that character. And I think they handled him really well. I mean, he's dangerous in this one. Um, tons of action sequences. Uh, I was a little concerned we were going to get a lot of Falcon as well. You don't like Falcon? Well, I mean, I'm hit and miss with Falcon. I didn't know how he would be handled, but uh, the trailer and everything gave him a lot of kind of flying in on his wings. And, you know, him and War Machine just share the fact that they can fly and War Machine's got a lot of uh, weapons. They're growing on me. I think the directors, uh, Anthony Russo and Joe Russo, have... Um, ab- handled every character in this movie so incredibly well and I-, I just grew to like everyone I was the same with War Machine and um, uh, the car- the other character you Falcon, just mentioned yeah. Falcon and, but I've grown to really like each of them um, I-, I think they're ju- just their loyalty and the fact they're always by their side um, I-, I just really admire that so like uh, Sancho Panza to um, Sancho to um, uh, Don Quixote yeah and I mean it's it's obvious Don Cheadle's character, War Machine, is going to be on Iron Man's side, and it's the same way that Anthony Mackie's Sam Wilson is on uh, Captain America's side. Uh, in the past, we watched Bucky. He extracts five blue gel packets. It's very mysterious uh, gel packets that later we learn basically created more Winter Soldiers, and I knew you would be jumping for joy at five elite warriors, Lloyd. I, I love the twist at the end. Yes, very true. We'll get to that. So, look, the opening of Winter Soldier... Uh, was really it it created this kind of spy game uh you know espionage thriller and it really did continue in civil war the whole opening sequence with his team even though they have powers it's really very much like a spy thriller outside the uh, center for infectious diseases uh, there's a biological weapon and crossbones were introduced to as a villain they seem to have been tracking him prior to this movie and the opening action sequence, you know, it's pretty great. Captain America gets it, to It confront. reminded me a lot of Casino Royale, that opening sequence, just to the fact that they're all, you know, undercover, sort of speak, tracking these guys. And then, I don't know, that African sort of background. It, I just had a lot of Casino Royale. Um, I can appreciate there. that, yeah. Um, that whole biological weapon was obviously just a red herring. I thought that was going to be integral to the plot, but it's just a, a red vial of blood or something. Uh, it doesn't actually play any part in the film. It's a terrorist uh, weapon. Yeah, that's it. But what did you think of Crossbones, played by Captain America's former... He was awesome. Yeah, yeah. just just a really cool um, soldier. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it was great to see him sort of, like, with the mask off. You know, you get to see the fact that he's got this history. He had a building drop on him or whatever he says, and he, he's all burnt up, you know. And that's turned him into Crossbones. You know, he's 
become this villain through necessity, really. You know, we get a kind of his name is Red Wing introduction to um, Anthony Mackie's little uh, mini falcon, I guess you could call it. I understand in the comics it's an actual falcon, but here it does make more sense for it to be like a little remote control kind of deal. Yeah, well, and the sense of humour here was just brilliant throughout the film. That it, Like, the, the biggest problem I had with Avengers 2 was there was just too many quips, and every single one, every single character, it could have been a cleaner in the background, you know, just had a funny, witty line, and it just got so annoying. Joss Whedon just has no restraint when it comes to those quips, and he just let loose all throughout Age of Ultron. In this, it was really put in check. Like, I found the humour came at the right moments, and they didn't go overboard with it, and it was, it, overall, the film was a really dark cold tale of revenge and how that really eats away at their souls yeah and i really enjoyed uh scarlet witch elizabeth olsen's character i thought there was so much going on behind her eyes yeah she, she, other than the fact that she's an, a fantastic actress but we get to see more of her in action which is great and they, they dropped a line there they said uh, all your powers came from loki's staff i thought they were mutants yeah, I wasn't sure about that either. Um, I guess they changed the mythology um, quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe... I think that was Vision perhaps saying... Because that was a scene where they talked about the uh, you know, the stone in Vision's head. And I think he said that the stone gave Loki his powers. Was that not what he said? Because yeah. it was in yeah. the staff, you know? Mm. So I, I sort of thought that's what they were referring to there, but... Um, Oh, I thought he said the Infinity Stone gives me my powers and the Loki staff gave you your... Oh, I don't know. I could have misheard it. It's possible. It's, we've seen this once. <laughs> it is late at night, but... And there was so much in it. <laughs> it's true. It's the longest it's Marvel just, movie yet. Um, really? Wow, I didn't know that. It, it, the movie is so dense and the greatest thing this does... I, and I love the dialogue scenes. I love the talk scenes. It's just showing my age. <laughs> it, it, some of those car chase sequences just went on a bit long for me. For me, I just wanted to get more to the politics. And the great thing about the, what this movie does is gives you both sides. There's actually three sides going on there. Of course, the main villain, and you really feel his emotion and his um, uh, objective and why he's doing what he's doing, which is a fantastic... Um, fantastic written character and you also get um uh, C captain america side and you also get iron man side yeah you're speaking of course of daniel brawl's character who's helmet zemo uh you don't find out his motivations until the end of the film so it's all a bit murky in the lead up he was from rush wasn't he um i think so yeah 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 why do you uh, keep calling me a rat a rat is a very smart character <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Crossbones explodes himself. Um, basically, he's wearing a suicide bomber vest at the end of the opening sequence. And uh, the thing that happens is uh, Scarlet Witch has to create kind of a bubble and push him up into the air, which destroys part of a building. And that's really the instigating event that then causes uh, them to be in need of being in check basically and not um, long after that we're shown that video of all the disasters that have happened in the marvel universe and it really highlights how much damage um these heroes are doing to the average person because when Ch scarlet witch puts up that guy and he blows up uh, i'm assuming um, a few people die from that explosion in that building you know yeah, that's right wakandans died um which is the fictional african nation that black panther is from uh, they happen to be there in that building, I guess. 
Yeah, absolutely. And this is like war just creates constantly monsters and that's what I feel civil war is all about and it's touching on um, ISIS in a sense, like the the idea that, you know, the Iraq war toppling governments, destroying um, lives and then ISIS being able to form and recruit soldiers that are just hungry for vengeance and I feel like the villain of civil war is that ideology that their families have been absolutely butchered and destroyed and there's nothing left for them for these survivors but vengeance you know and they'll do whatever it takes and we see scenes of terrorism constantly especially with the bomb going off at that um united nations meeting and it's just evokes so much imagery what you were saying dave when we did our man of steel podcast on how much september 11th has influenced the imagery of um, movies and you see it all throughout um, this film especially with the news broadcast and that just gives you a different um, perspective of superhero movies in general just very brilliantly done exactly and i mean since man of steel there was so much backlash about how many people were killed in you know uh, the zod versus superman fight at the end of that film Uh, and since then there's been so much of an onus on like you know civilian casualties and it was heavily mentioned in batman vs superman dawn of justice as well our first image of tony stark for the film it looks like a flashback you meet up with his parents and it's this um holographic sequence where robert downey jr has been aged down he looks like bad boy robert downey jr uh from his drug younger days you know <laughs> this is the second time the marvel films have done it so well taken the actor and aged them through cgi and they did it so incredibly well with michael douglas in ant-man yeah and um they've done it really well with robert downey jr here and i really can't wait to see um uh, like a clint eastwood or someone play a small cameo but they age him down to look younger and yeah. just not i'm um, not just clint eastwood himself but like other older actors i just want to see more of this technology being utilized i think michael douglas expressed an interest in doing a prequel type movie where he's oh. you know cgi aged down the whole time for ant-man that's cool yeah pepper potts is not there they don't have gwyneth paltrow she's not in the film that's cool Basically, Tony Stark has a guilty meeting at an elevator with this woman who blames Stark. You know, That's for- Viola Davis, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, she is such a presence. And like it was, and we also saw a brief uh, the Dean from Community. Um, that's the second Community actor who's played a key um, sort of cameo in uh, the, the Captain America films. The first one, of course, being a bed in uh, Winter Soldier. And then now we get the Dean and he's going, you know, I wonder if some funding could go to the um, faculty. You know, I was like, is that the same character from <laughs> Community? I'd like to think it's the same universe. But yeah, then we have that um, scene with Viola Davis and just the tenacity in her eyes. Like, I could be wrong. It could might not be Viola Davis. I'm trying to look it up, but IMDb is just all over the place with its <laughs> cast. Mm. I just can't be bothered to get through it. And we'll that was Marissa. Uh, we'll get to it. But that was Marissa Tomei as um, uh, uh, Spider-Man's Aunt auntie. Yeah, is that, Aunt was May. that Marissa Tomei? It You're, was, yeah. Uh, that's incredible. <laughs> they never cut to a close-up. It was always in long shot. This wow. absolutely beautiful woman. I was just like, oh. <laughs> oh sorry back to viola davis yeah she delivers such a key moment saying that you know my, my son died there and then from that moment you're really in tony stark's head going okay you know he's he's really scarred from this this is really going to affect his decisions throughout the rest of the film yeah i think we should stop referring to her as viola davis i don't think it is 
Exactly. The Dean from Community made me laugh. Uh, definitely imagine him as the same Dean and wanting funding gave me a chuckle. What was interesting to me after that was we got to see Vision trying to be normal, <laughs> wearing clothes and cooking, um, which is such a change at the Avengers headquarters from the Vision we've seen in Age of Ultron. Did you enjoy, find some comedy in Vision's, you know, normalness? Uh, anyone who's seen our who, who Will Thanos Kill video know, um, on YouTube will know that I don't like um, a Vision character at all. <laughs> but I don't know. There's just something about him that just creeps me out. Yeah, fair enough. No, I can appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, we get the scene which is in all the trailers, which is, uh, you know, we need to be put in check. Uh, we re-see the Secretary of State, which is uh, the captain who was previously in The Incredible Hulk. And while some see them as heroes, some see them as dangerous vigilantes. And the Avengers will work for the UN if they all sign on. The thing that happens next I thought was great, which is the first funeral sequence. Uh, Agent Peggy Carter has died. Um, of course, she's, you know, 90-something years old. We did see her in The Winter Soldier. And she was sort of the last link Captain America had to his past, besides Other Bucky. Bucky, yeah. The reveal that Sharon Carter, played by Emily Van uh, Van Camp, uh, that you know no one knew they were related, and she gives that speech where she says at the funeral, you know, you got to plant yourself like a tree and say no, you move, you know, which really puts her on the same side as Captain America. And I mean, I knew from the minute we saw her that she was going to be a love interest for uh, Chris Evans. Yeah, that was um, like kind of convenient how she's the daughter. I, I just thought, oh, gosh, you know, my eyes kind of roll at that moment. But I'm sure fans have... I don't know if there was references to that in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know if she's on in, in there, but it's just like, oh, of course. Of course she's related. <laughs> Everything's connected in the Marvel Universe, man. <laughs> then Black Widow turns up, you know, saying "Stay to staying together is more important than how you stay together. And she's going to the United Nations, where, as you mentioned, there's going to be a bombing. We get the first look at Black Panther and the intro to the King of Wakana. And as soon as there was that lingering contact between the father and son, I knew there was going to be a death here for a <laughs> They king. foreshadowed it a lot. When he touches his face. Yeah. Just like, well, you're dead. <laughs> yes, yes. I felt very bad for, just quickly, on um, Sharon Carter when she gets kissed by Captain America later. I was like, oh, you might die next. <laughs> you know, the kiss of death there. Um, everyone close to these heroes is in danger, as we will learn through this film. Basically, Bucky, as far as they know, has uh, exploded this bomb at the UN. We do get a little bit of info about Zemo uh, throughout this. He has a device in his hotel room. He does a very interesting... Um, sequence where he tortures a hydra member who won't give him the any, any information about december 16th 1991 and he's, he, he'd rather die and he says hail hydra the thing is black widow released these hydra files some years ago and or a year ago and uh, he's been thinking of nothing else for a year but uh, his mission which we'll get to bucky basically seems to this was really interesting when captain america finds him he says, Buck, stop, you're going to kill someone. And he says, I'm not going to kill anyone because he seems reformed. Something is, he remembers everything, you know. Uh, he remembers all these murders he's committed and, you know, he's 
he's the Winter Soldier, but he doesn't want to be anymore, Lloyd. That fight scene that follows um, when they have that discussion and the German special forces are trying to zero in on them reminded me so much of The Professional with Gary Oldman, how they've just got you know um the the professional actually cornered you know and he has to shoot his way out of there just absolutely like everything in this movie and with the the winter soldier film that preceded this the action scenes are just absolutely mind-blowing just very very well choreographed and captain america is obviously great in a tight space you know we've seen him fight in an elevator last film so yeah that was oh man that was a great sequence so in a stairwell this time it made no difference he obviously came out on top and that's when we see Black Panther for the first time fighting. Yeah, I love right. his suit. It's just a really awesome suit. Yeah, and uh, we are treated to a brief fight between Bucky and Black Panther. Uh, the character of Black Panther blames Bucky for the death of uh, the father, which is King T'Chaka. And um, at this stage, it seems like Bucky has exploded the bomb at the UN. He didn't, just so you know. Uh, we've already done a spoiler warning, though. So we get a brief fight between them leading into the car chase sequence in the tunnel. And um, that's been heavily publicized in uh, released clips and, um, you know, in the trailer. Did you find it odd to see Captain America driving a car? I found it odd them running, actually. Like, I was just like, are they going hyperspeed running? Like, I know they're fast, but they just seem to be running faster than cars. I was a bit confused at that point. And then when Captain America got into the car, and I go, well, that makes a lot more sense because it would be faster. I don't think these guys have flash-like speed. Yeah. Well, I guess Black Panther might. I mean, he's got a hell of a lot of speed and agility. What I thought was cool... He moves like a panther. (laughs) Yeah. How about that? How about uh, Bucky taking over that bike, which was totally cool. It was in slow motion and he, you know, uses his arm to basically lift a civilian's bike and then in one motion kind of get back onto it. The chase ends inevitably in a stalemate with War Machine there saying, congratulations, Captain, you're a criminal. And did you notice there was like a shink claw sound from uh, Black Panther? He's got a Wolverine kind of claw sound when he retracts those claws. Uh, Vision is cooking with Scarlet Witch and um, he's basically uh, keeping her there. She's a prisoner, which she didn't realize until she tried to leave. And um, they both have such an interesting dynamic and they're both so powerful I did wonder how they would be handled in this film, Lloyd. Yeah, like, um, there's obviously some form of a relationship there that I think is going to be pursued a bit more in the later versions um, because, obviously, they're the most even match. So, like, how we always discuss Hawkeye versus Scarlet um, versus uh, Black Widow. Um, We obviously got Scarlet Witch versus uh, Vision and she's got powers that are really undefined. We don't really know the full potential of Scarlet Witch. The comedy, as you mentioned, was fantastic. When they're in the car together with Black Panther, I like how Falcon says, so you like cats? <laughs> and uh, Black Panther mentions that, much like the Phantom, the character of the Phantom, you know, uh, the Black Panther mantle has been passed on for generations, you know. Um, we're treated to Martin Freeman's character, who's Everett Ross. Uh, he's in a total of two scenes, one now and one at the end of the film. Yeah, pretty much a wasted character, really, just a a cameo for martin freeman from hobbit fame and the office if you will stark uh, mentions ultron was his fault and uh you know uh, he's talking to captain america and he says oh you you knew howard he never mentioned that only a thousand times there's a really like um you know uh other child syndrome other family thing going on here like trying to be daddy's favorite almost you know 
Captain America knew Tony Stark's dad, Howard Stark. Maybe liked him better, you know. Uh, Howard Stark only knew his son as kind of a a dropkick and a playboy and whatever. Yeah, he never he never saw his son become a Captain America. That's the big tragedy. And um, there's also the theme from um, from Skyfall. Oh, sorry, Spectre, um, where uh, Christoph Waltz's character, you know, like the cuckoo bird thing, that basically he's infiltrated the nest. <laughs> Uh, Daniel uh, Craig's James Bond was uh, adopted into his family, which is a pretty wacky thing, but uh, that they're basically two sons of the same father kind of thing. There's this really interesting dynamic to uh, Captain America and Iron Man in this. I like how Falcon mentioned bird costume. <laughs> his his uh, outfit gets checked. You know, they're all criminals now. They're under arrest, basically, and, and he's uh, filed as a bird costume. Zemo has infiltrated uh, the interview and he's talking to Bucky. Basically, he's he's got the command to um, brainwash him again, so he does so. And uh, one of the words I noticed was homecoming, which is interesting because that's now been announced as the new name of the latest Spider-Man film. So I don't know if they threw that in just for fanboys. It was just a random sequence of words and numbers, but one of the words was homecoming, so... Uh, he, of course, finds out about December 16th, 1991, and uh, the mission report, what Bucky did that night, which is crucial to the finale of this film. They try and contain Bucky, and we get that sequence where Iron Man puts on the iron hand and stops a bullet. That was all pr- pretty awesome, even though I'd seen it before, Lloyd. you enjoy the whole escape sequence? Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was really well done. We see Iron Man very underpowered in that sequence. He didn't have his suit at all. And uh, Black Widow getting really choked there. And I thought that was really dumb how Captain America's girlfriend comes in there to ninja kick the guys. Like, oh, come on. (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting how they got Sharon in there to fight as well. And um, kind of makes her Captain America's girl because she's really, like, the kind of person who'll selflessly fight even when she doesn't have to. We kind of saw a little bit of that in The Winter Soldier where she defied Hydra. Um, As well, Bucky gets into a helicopter and this was the scene that Chris Evans was working out for, and you know it, um, where he stops the helicopter uh, from taking off. Bucky's in the helicopter, and he's going to go, and Chris Evans can't let him. Um, Well, Captain America can't let him, and so we get the ultimate flex, Lloyd. (laughs) Uh, It was interesting, though. The helicopter crashes into a river, and Captain America gets to save Bucky this time, and at the end of The Winter Soldier, it was the reverse, of course. There's sort of shades of Batman vs. Superman here as well. I'll just quickly say spoilers for that if you haven't seen it. Bucky is in the vice, and he mentions your mother's name was Sarah to um, Captain America, and that really made me think of Martha was my mother's name, (laughs) you know from Batman vs Superman Lloyd you know thankfully it wasn't a running theme and Tony Stark's mum wasn't the same name as Bucky's mum who wasn't the same name as Captain America's mum but we're given the reveal that the gel serum from the start of the film has created five elite super soldiers this is information Captain America has that Iron Man does not have and he wouldn't believe him even if he tried to talk to him which I kind of thought he should try and tell him this (laughs) at least but he doesn't we get the build up to the scene in the trailer which is at the airport for the ultimate fight. Now, because they're understaffed, as uh, Black Widow says, it would be great if we had a Hulk, says uh, <laughs> Tony Stark, which was fantastic. Apparently, Mark Ruffalo was seen, he was going to be doing a, a scene in this film, uh, but it was cut. So 
He's not in the film at all. No Mark Ruffalo. But uh, Tom Holland, who plays Peter Parker, and Marissa Tormey, who plays um, Aunt May, uh, both of them meet with Tony Stark. And Lloyd, I don't know if you know this, Tony Stark, Iron Man's been confirmed to be appearing in the Spider-Man movie. Oh, cool. So uh, this relationship they've started in this one where Tony Stark calls him Spider-Ling or (laughs) Spider-Boy... and looks at his retro Mac classic and stuff, you know, this whole um, exchange, everything they've built up here is just setting up for Spider-Man's solo film. It's interesting with this adaptation of Spider-Man, how much of uh, Iron Man, uh, Tony Stark, has manufactured Spider-Man effectively. Like, he's pretty much given him the money for his suit, Um, you know, obviously giving him pointers to make the webs uh, stronger. I don't know if that was in that, but I was just like, oh, okay, because I always imagined Spider-Man as a self-made person. He manufactured his suit. He manufactured, you know, he's almost like a pretty much a scientist. Um, So it's interesting the direction they're taking it. And also interesting, they showed some uh, footage from YouTube, if you will, where uh, Spider-Man has goggles and um, Tony Stark acknowledges that the goggles are kind of dumb and, like, you know, this leads to us seeing the suit that um, Tony Stark helps him manufacture, as you mentioned, with the new eyes that seem to be kind of an iris that's interesting. Uh, Did you get the sexual tension between Marissa Tomei and uh, Robert Downey Jr.? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I do feel like that's going to rear its head and a bit of a love interest in the It's Spider-Man just interesting film. how they shot that sequence. Like, uh, obviously, I recognized the star. I was just like, that's, is that Marissa Tomei? But they never punch in for the close-up. It's just interesting how they cast her and they just put her as one of the, as a, you know, part of the population, you know, part of the, the, the cast sort of thing. It's just like equivalent of having like, oh, there's Michael Douglas in the background. Almost. <laughs> He's one of the scientists. Exactly. I mean, uh, they get great casting in Marvel, that's for sure. There must be very lucrative paychecks as well. Uh, Spider-Man's keen on keeping his identity a secret. Obviously, Tony Stark has seen the difference that revealing yourself and saying, I am Iron Man. You know, there's a real difference to his life now. <clears throat> he says, I can't go to Germany. I have homework, which was got a big laugh in our theatre. I think the levity of the Spider-Man sequence, you know, really lifted my cinema because everything beyond this got big laughs for every yeah. possible joke. Like, because there was so much dialogue scenes, um, I felt some of the people getting a bit bored in my theatre. And at that point, when Spider-Man's introduced, you can feel everyone going, oh, I think that's Spider-Man, you know, and then just the hype and the build-up and the humour, that like, that that line just cracked everyone up. Then we get the return of Hawkeye, who's everybody's favourite bow-wielding human. He arrives to uh, save Scarlet Witch from Vision's capture, or, you know, house arrest, and uh, asks, what are you doing here? And he says, disappointing my kids. Of course, we met his wife and kids, <clears throat> excuse me, in uh, the last film. So, in uh, Age of Ultron, and he was effectively retired. So, he's back, and obviously, it's a, an important cause. Um, you know, Captain America's brought him up to speed. Did you like Scarlet Witch, how she had to push Vision? You know, you see her pushing him to the ground, and then she shoves him down like 40 floors. <laughs> yeah. That's just like a sampling of her power. I'm I'm still confused of how much power Vision has. Like, he seems to be, you know, almost to be transparent, you know, like he could just go through people and he has laser coming out of his, um, out of that, uh, that, uh, stone on his forehead. I'm I'm still not quite sure exactly what he can do, but obviously he's very powerful. Hmm. Vague on his powers, but certainly very powerful. 
Um, the Captain America recruitment was great. Bucky sitting in the car seat behind uh, Falcon. He says, "Can you move your seat up?" And Falcon goes, "No." Huge laugh in my audience. Yeah, no, that was that was probably the funniest scene in the movie. But then Captain America kisses Sharon uh, Carter, presumably. And they're both nodding in the car, Bucky and um, Falcon, which got a huge laugh. I thought it was hilarious. Just like about time, you know, uh, there's that sense of Captain America not being very good with his love life too. Ant-Man, of course, appears. Scott Lang, who, um, hilarious. Lots of good laughs from Paul Rudd. He's um, kept it very light in this film. I I did wonder if Wanda had any other clothes, because I feel like you only see Scarlet Witch in the same outfit all the time. Did she have um, that red leather jacket in Age of Ultron? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think okay. she did. It's Shouldn't so they weird. give them all uniforms like in X-Men? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe one day if they become really uh, under the control of the UN, maybe that's what they'll do. I love the airport line where he said, uh, isn't it so weird how you run into people at the airport? Which, of course, leads to, <laughs> leads to Spider-Man's reveal from the trailer where he takes the shield. It's such an awkward sort of scene. You know, Spider-Man doesn't know when to shut up, which is great. And then we're, we're paired off, you know. Uh, Widow fights with Ant-Man for a little bit, which was hilarious. Ant-Man thought he was going to take on Black Widow and didn't know what he was in for. Uh, Black Panther fights... Um, uh, who does he fight? I think he fights the Winter Soldier. I think he fights Captain America as well. He scratches his shield, certainly. Spider-Man gets to fight both Bucky and Falcon and sort of holds his own pretty well. Everybody's Got a Gimmick was very funny, uh, which is what Falcon yells at Spider-Man as well. Uh, you know, uh, he's able to use that little uh, Red Wing sort of uh, Falcon robot again. Bucky says, couldn't you have done that earlier? And Falcon just says, I hate you, <laughs> which just creates such an interesting dynamic between the two of them. They're both kind of the best friend of Captain America, which is great. Uh, I found Scarlet Witch kept saving people, you know, um, Hawkeye was fighting Widow and he was holding back because he didn't want to hurt her. And uh, so Wanda sort of intervened and threw her across uh, into some some car or something. And when um, Bucky's fighting Panther, Captain America's fighting Spider-Man, she's sort of right there to sort of help out, you know, make sure things don't collapse. What was Vision doing? I don't really know. He sort of seemed to arrive late. I Um, I thought he was there from the beginning. I could be wrong. No, look... It's entirely possible. He seemed to just be hovering above, um, not getting distracted at the start anyway. Um, the, the scene with Captain America vs. Spider-Man was great. You see that in so many video games. And the fact that they both related to each other based on... The, one was from Queens and one was from Brooklyn, you know. They're both New York guys, and so there was kind of a nod to that as well. Ant-Man getting in Iron Man's suit I thought was fantastic. It's the thing you want to see happen because you know Ant-Man can get in there. You know, he can uh, he can take down Iron Man from within. I thought it was a bit of a cop-out that he had some kind of gas that would release inside the suit to flush out Ant-Man, like, as if he would have thought of that. I like it how he um, goes, throw, th- throw this at, uh, at this truck, and he goes, oh, I thought that was a water truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. He's still sort of... The funny thing is, yeah, Scott Lang's still learning to be Ant-Man. Yeah, um, well, the, Ant-Man and Spider-Man, for me, stole the movie. They were just absolutely hilarious. They, their humour came in at the right time. They, you know, just alleviated this whole situation, just their their antics and how they're just tr- still struggling to put themselves in this universe sort of thing. Like, how do they fit in? <laughs> While the, the fight scene between Falcon and War Machine was literally just the two black characters flying around, 
the great twist of the scene was Giant Man, which Ant Man obviously became gigantic, which was fantastic. Um, it was ruined a little bit. There was a vinyl pop toy that was released, and it said Giant Man, which added to the speculation that Ant Man would become Giant Man in this film. Uh, but it it prompted a line from Spider Man that I thought was great, which was Spider Man said, "Holy shit!" Which for a kind of kid friendly superhero, I thought was great. Giant Man crashing around through things, grabbing people, you know, the, the eyes. You can only see the eyes of um, Paul Rudd. And he's just like, ho, ho, like so impressed that this has even happened, I suppose. Did you like the way Giant Man was taken down? <laughs> and he has to reference Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, Spider Man says, Do you know that really old movie, Empire Strikes Back? You know what they did with those, and he doesn't call them like ATATs or ATATs or anything. He's just like, you know, those like droid walking things or whatever he says, because he's 19, you know, um, in the film. Tom Holland, the actor, is 19 years old. Basically, we see that blast that goes up to hit uh, War Machine in the trailer. And it's, it's the way it's edited is to make it look like the Winter Soldier shoots and then War Machine falls and it makes it look like he's a villain. But it's been speculated that the blast looked like a vision blast, and it was. Uh, vision shoots from very far away, aiming for Falcon, and hits Vision. Um, sorry, hits War Machine, who starts falling to Earth, and basically Iron Man has to save War Machine, or head down and see if he's all right at least, uh, which allows the Winter Soldier and um, Captain America to escape. Black Widow assists in their escape, which as Iron Man says later is, um, you know, it must be hard not being a double agent anymore, you know, sort of he focuses on that. Did you think they'd kill War Machine here, especially showing those shots in the trailer uh, of him? No, I'm, I'm at the point in the Marvel world where they're not going to kill anyone. Like, it's getting pretty ridiculous. I know, which is why we had that other video, I suppose, to speculate as to who gets killed. Vision says he was distracted and basically War Machine is got some kind of paralysis you know he's he's in uh, rehab at the end of this trying to walk again it's revealed to tony stark that helmet zemo uh, in a kind of little exposition video from his new um jarvis which is friday so he's got a female voice it's like his girl friday who's uh, his new computer operating system everything's revealed about the chamber and the five frozen elite people who are there and we see Baron Zemo going to presumably release these five elite soldiers. So there will be five people as strong as, if not stronger than the Winter Soldier. We, we see this water prison where everybody gets kept. Hawkeye's been captured. Uh, Wanda's been captured. Sam, as well as uh, Ant-Man, Scott Lang. And they have this, like, Hawkeye and uh, Iron Man have this exchange right before uh ant-man tries to have an exchange with tony stark and then he says who are you which is fantastic um <laughs> tony stark's never met ant-man so we head to this final compound um all the while black panther seems to be following in a plane and following just following uh they didn't give him a lot to do in the, the third act he's just kind of there isn't he lloyd um he doesn't fight anybody and he just sort of he's there to basically talk to Captain uh, to Zemo in the final scenes. Yeah, I think in. he just saw it. It's not his business. Yeah. I, I th- I, he just strikes me as a character that's smart enough. He saw what was going on. And the moment that video was played revealing 
that the Winter Soldier did kill, like Bucky did kill um, Captain America's parents. It's just like, all right, I have no right to step in at this point, and I, I think he just left it. I don't, I don't think it's a case of like the writers were being lazy with him. I think that that was a very intelligent strategy, as you said, and I think you just said Captain America's parents. There was a video uh, that shows Bucky killed Iron Man's parents in, in 1991. He was responsible for the car accident that ultimately kills. I mean, and then he beats to death um, both of Tony Stark's parents. That big reveal in the third act is, is what Zemo wants. That's his evil plan. He wants to turn Tony Stark against Captain America and have the heroes kill each other because his entire family, Lloyd, uh, of course, have been killed. Um, you thought that was a great motivation for him? Yeah, absolutely. That That's the brilliance of uh, Captain America is that it foreshadows... Of, of course, the whole thing is a civil war, and that's what the whole film's about, but the film fo- seems to foreshadow these five elite assassins that are going to emerge for the third act, and I just thought, my gosh, how are they going to do this? You know, we're, we're so exhausted with that massive 17-minute fight scene with the Avengers fighting each other, and then the moment I saw the bullet holes in each of those assassins, that this guy, Daniel Brühl's character, did not... Um, you know he just shot him like that was not his intention at all it was just for them to lure them in one small place and for them to fight each other is just an absolutely tremendous climax and we see and the the landscape the the set piece they use in this is just that winter landscape just that revenge this the cold the heart of revenge has really consumed a lot of the characters here and black panther realizes it and i kind of wish he allowed him to pull the trigger and Z- allow zemo to kill himself but i guess uh the black panther didn't want him to have such an easy way out but i was kind of hoping he'd just give him that chance because he gives such a good reason for why he's doing what he's doing the avengers have created these these monsters uh, you know these people that are just out for vengeance for what they've done to their families the people that they've killed in the crossfire you know um it's just an ugly thing any kind of war and um uh, they got one of the best actors to play this character daniel brule i think he just did a excellent excellent job and the interesting thing about the choreography throughout this whole movie the action scenes are just absolutely tremendous but you also got this small layer of like a cold war underneath it you're constantly getting scenes of people like dead in bathtubs you know what i mean like that guy like i thought he committed suicide was obviously somebody being strangled like obviously daniel Brühl's characters killed him and then we get other scenes of that torture like sequence where the water is just floating up like it isn't very kid-friendly those scenes yet the action sequences where the avengers are fighting each other are kind of kid-friendly if that makes sense like people are being thrown through airplanes and and trucks and everything like that but they could still get up and go oh there's two layers there to the violence one of course for real people for actual people that really suffer you know the the moment a bullet flies at them they will die and of course the avengers which they can take considerable amount of damage but but nevertheless both those action sort of um styles mesh really well the brothers did an incredible job putting them together in this movie as you mentioned um zemo's there at the end with a gun and uh, black panther watches him and stops him from committing suicide um says you know the living aren't done with you yet uh on the inside of this compound though the fight is going on between captain america and bucky and iron man and it's very much a fight to the death 
because Captain America did know that this is how Tony Stark's parents died. And um, that kind of betrayal has really set Iron Man off. He says to Bucky, you know, do you even remember them? And he says, I remember all of them, which is more of that kind of post-war shock stuff going on, Lloyd. What did you think of the climax of the fight? Yeah, that one uh, sequence where we saw a bit in the shadows. Like, it looked like... um uh, so, bit in the shadows, bit in the trailers. We saw, it looked like a from the trailers. It looked like Iron Man was just going to absolutely take a beating, but he does actually win that scenario. And it wasn't. Um, it's not till the very last um, s- section where Captain America thrusts his shield into um, the chest of Iron Man, effectively uh, taking away his best weapon, which is the suit. And the the battle's pretty much over there. But um, the that shield and the, in the chest was really iconic too yeah oh man um and then him leaving the shield there just wow uh but uh, zemo's character what he says like has has my plan failed you know and uh, it, did it i really, fail yeah yeah he goes really it hasn't i just love it how he has no superpowers this guy just kills the five top assassins that this this film like you think is going to build up to a massive showdown between these five super assassins but it isn't he that wasn't the point of the film the point of the film was you know this is i'm I'm going to turn you against each other and it really has scarred them i feel and i hope it um uh that this sort of um uh idea sort of weaves its way in through the rest of the marvel stories as we build to infinity war the last sort of thing iron man gets to say to captain america is you know that shield doesn't belong to you my father made that shield which so he drops it which makes captain america drop the shield and it's got those scratches in it from uh, black panther from earlier does he want to take the steroids back as well (laughs) (laughs) he probably would if he could this kind of fracturing is of course what we predicted that the team would split and then need to regroup for infinity wars later uh in you know in parts you know you've got two parts of infinity wars so you've got to see how powerful thanos is and then uh basically reform the avengers to ultimately defeat him uh rhodes is rehabbing and uh stan lee's cameo in this film he comes up as a fedex man and he says are you tony stank which of course makes Rhodes and the entire audience laugh and uh, it's an apology letter and a phone from Captain America and he's basically saying if you need me I'll be there you know but he's sorry obviously about not um, telling him about his parents it sort of shows uh, he's going to break everybody out of prison you know he's the final shot of the film is him approaching uh, you know Sam who's uh, been locked up or they've all been locked up and he's going to let them out basically and is like William Hurt going to be like the new villain like you know like that's a little bit of a foreshadow there maybe maybe perhaps it's kind of a temporary retirement I feel like for Captain America I feel like you can rest the character for a while now you know Chris Evans doesn't have to get burnt out being Captain America uh, we we did totally gloss over the fact that Bucky gets his arm ripped off in that fight sequence as well, which is as close as somebody comes to dying. Uh, besides seeing Tony Stark's parents die on screen, as well as Peggy Carter, who dies off screen and you go to her funeral, no one dies in the film, but Bucky does lose his metal arm, which um, kind of renders him useless as a, as a hero. Uh, so they, they literally freeze him in carbonite. <laughs> that's right. The mid-credits scene, we're almost at the end now, the mid-credits scene uh, involves a one-armed Bucky sitting in uh, what we presume is Wakanda uh, because Black Panther's there and he's provided a facility. Captain America's there and he says, thank you for this. 
if they find out he's here, uh, they'll come for him. And basically, Black Panther says, let them try. And it shows this kind of statue of a Black Panther outside uh, before cutting to the rest of the credits. Of course, there is a post credit sequence as well. And it's Tom Holland, who uh, is with, you know, um, his Aunt May, Peter Parker and Aunt May. And uh, basically, she's like, who hit you? And, you know, he says, the guy was huge, which refers to giant man in the fight earlier. <laughs> and uh, it shows this great wrist cuff that's shooting like a red holographic light. And uh, it's the advanced tech that obviously Tony Stark has provided, like as a thank you for helping and, you know, as an ongoing kind of development into him being a superhero. And the final text said Spider-Man will return, which doesn't tell us whether or not Captain America will return. I'm assuming he won't be back till Infinity Wars. Next, we have uh, Hulk and Thor. Uh, Hulk, Hulk apparently is going to be in Thor 3. And um, there's a Spider-Man to look forward to. There's a Black Panther movie and a Doctor Strange movie on the horizon. Uh, there's a lot going on in the Marvel Universe, Lloyd. Did you see um, Civil War in 3D, Dave? I didn't, mate. You're the only one. <laughs> I saw it in 3D, and it was not worth seeing in 3D. The only thing great about the 3D were the big, massive titles saying where we were, like 1991, you know, and then in Berlin, you know, Vienna, you know, all the titles coming up. That was the only thing that was really grand about the 3D. And, of course, Scarlet Johansson and, of course, the beautiful Scarlet Witch. But the 3D wasn't that um, great. In the, I saw it at Hoyt's. And they gave us a uh, free limited edition uh, Civil War poster, which was really cool. Um, my cinema wasn't packed much, but I think there was a lot of people lining up. I think they all went to the non-3D um, version. For me, it was a relatively full cinema. Those big title cards you mentioned reminded me of like Ocean's Eleven or Ocean's Thirteen. <laughs> I, I thought like they were so unnecessary. I just thought, yeah, I know. Like, just show a landmark, and we get it. You know? Yeah, they were rather large titles, but. The other, the other thing that reminded me of Ocean's Eleven was uh, Basher, who's played by Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven. They use a pinch, which a pinch is like a bomb, and it's like yeah, a electromagnetic yeah, pulse. A, yep. And they used it in this as well. Baron Zemo was hiding like a pinch that knocked out the electronics temporarily. Yeah, so just a quick nod to Ocean's Eleven there. And I just want to correct myself. It's Alfre Woodard who played what, who I thought was Viola Davis at the um, beginning of the film. She was fantastic in Star Trek um, First Contact. I think she delivers a very key scene which got Captain America really emotional about young people dying and the effects that the Avengers have had. And we see a little bit of how much he cares for Spider-Man when he says, no, you're it, kid. You're out, okay? Just just sit down. You're out of the fight. He doesn't want him getting hurt anymore and i don't know if we're gonna if in the spider-man spin-off we're gonna see a little bit more like a father and son thing maybe um there like a, I'm, I'm not too sure but that was a little interesting element there to iron man yeah and i knew it wasn't viola davis as well just because she's in suicide squad which yeah of no, is that's DC. what i was thinking I was like, there's no way she's in both but i was like maybe yeah. it's viola davis and that's what threw us Look, um, thanks very much, guys, for listening. You can obviously find uh, more from us at podmeifyoucan.com and uh, stay tuned to the, to the website and to the podcast. We're going to cover X-Men in the coming month and uh, probably many more of these Marvel DC films. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews. 